Over 200,000 of the homeless people in the United States of America are women and girls. The most needed and understocked item in homeless shelters, feminine hygiene products. Joy Road Media is proud to tell you about the Clean Love Project. The Clean Love Project's mission is to help women and young girls feel clean, loved, and empowered by distributing clean love kits to alleviate their hygiene needs. Go to thecleanloveproject.org to find out how you can help. The Clean Love Project focuses on the Metro Detroit area, but it also distributes kits worldwide. If you are a female in need of a clean love kit, go to thecleanloveproject.org and request one today. Joy Road Media is a proud supporter of the Clean Love Project at thecleanloveproject.org. Everybody, welcome to the Are You Listening podcast, where a couple friends sit down and talk about music for a little while. My name is Scott. I'm here with my co-host, Brand. Brand, how are you today? Uh, a little nervous. We got we got brass in here. The brass yeah. is in here. <laughs> yeah, we got we got corporate here. <laughs> our we have a guest today. Our our main man over at uh, Joy Road Media. He's also a uh, podcast co-host of the Truthcast. Also a co-host of You Made Me Watch, which is basically this show but with movies. Yeah, but with his wife. Yeah. So uh, welcome, Mike Bobbitt. To the Are You Listening podcast. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much. It is very nice to be in the presence of the best mustache on the network. And no, Scott, I'm not talking about yours. No, I, I know. I try. I'm just trying to look like Brand a civil warman out here. It's all I'm trying to do. <laughs> Every time Brand shows up in my Instagram feed, I'm always like, who the hell is this cool guy? Oh, yeah. <laughs> you don't understand how much I appreciate that because every ounce of my being is going into feeling cool. So I really do appreciate yeah. that. And he's the coolest. I always feel like, like oh, one of the guys from Idols is... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Love that band. I get the joke. I get the joke. Yeah. I don't, I'm not super familiar with the, with the band itself, but I get the joke. <laughs> you do look like you could be playing guitars for Idols. I, I told you to listen to one of their records before we started doing the show. Yeah, and I'm, and I'm pretty sure, sure it's one of those ones where you're like, yeah, I'll check it out. And then never fucking listen to it. Yeah. But like, why listen to music for fun when you have to <laughs> every week for a podcast? No, that was the reason we made this podcast. Is because Yeah, to suck the joy out of the one thing that you guys <laughs> both love. Yeah, for sure. But then we then we even decided to go another level, and now we're oh listening to things together that neither of us are enjoying. Not for the show, just to talk about. Oh, it's not. Great. We're listening. It's not. Going we're listening great. to this Loudwire hundred greatest albums of the twentieth century, and this week was god fucking awful. It was terrible. It was you guys have conversations w- with each other without microphones. That's weird. <laughs> we should. I haven't done that in a long time. I actually record everything just just in case something would happen. I do record everything that happens because I need an alibi at all times. Uh, not a bad idea with the company Scott keeps. 
We're here this week to talk about a suggestion that you gave us, Mike. You suggested Chumbawamba's Anarchy. I did. And before before listening to this, the only thing I knew about the band was Tub Thumping. Same. Which yes. I think probably the majority of Americans are that way. Yeah, they're definitely a one-hit wonder in the States. But they yeah. did have a few hits internationally. Um most of them actually came from this album. This is probably their poppiest album. But oh, okay. they started actually as an kind of an anarchist movement in like 1982. And they kind of just yeah. wanted to subvert everything. And they, one of the first music things they did was they created a fake oi band and got on a compilation of Nazi oi bands with a oh. song that was satirizing and making fun of Nazis where like Love the, uh, the chorus of it, you know, with like a lot of oi music, there's a lot of like sing along stuff. So the yeah. chanting part of their song was I'm thick, I'm thick, I'm thick. <laughs> so, I love it. Yeah. I love everything about it. I love everything about it. I didn't know any of that stuff before diving into this. And I was extremely surprised. So th this record came out in 94, the one you gave us, Anarchy. Some of the subjects in this record, I found myself just being like, this is from 1994. Like, I know. Wow. Yeah. Well, the main one, even before we listened, when we, I think it was the end of the last episode, we were looking at the track list and I saw Homophobia yeah. and I said, Homophobia, 94. Uh-oh. Like, I was worried. Yeah, you thought we were in trouble. Was gonna be. And so did I. Yeah, it, it's the year after the movie Philadelphia came out, which I think really kind of brought educating middle America on gay culture and AIDS to the, the forefront. And uh, this was probably a song they were doing live before that. And yeah, they, I imagine, they, yeah. they're very progressive, politically maybe... Um, too progressive at times, but I think they have an ultimately uh, positive message. They uh, have a lot of songs about feminism, kind of making fun of the hypocrisy of pop stars occurs a lot on this album. But yeah, I, I'm sure we'll get into it. it. It also kind of puts tub thumping in a new light when you realize I... how politically active they are. It's not a song about drinking too much and falling down and getting back up again it's a song about rising up you know it, it yeah the party anthem is actually uh kind of profound in a way yeah that's the crazy thing because uh after listening to this and you know figuring out what the band was actually about i went back and listened to tub thumping and i was like this is not what i thought it was yeah like i thought it was like at the time so 97 when it came out all over here, the only people that I heard listening to this to tub thumping were like like frat brothers and yeah, yeah. like just dudes that go out and party all the time and they were, would shout that they're drinking a whiskey drink. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then you get into the to the chorus and it's completely different. Yeah, it, it's not what it's made to be. Like if you can look deeper into it than what it presents itself to be. I feel like you guys are lulling me into a false sense of security where I'm like, oh my God, they liked it. They like this. And then like in a moment, you guys are going to be like, you know, I only hit you because I love you, baby. Like, <laughs> I'm so scared. Uh, for me to touch on Tubs Up real quick before we get into like the, the band itself and everything. 
See, Tub Thumper has a different existence for me because it came out what ninety seven, ninety eight. Tub Thumper came out. Yeah, yeah. No, I was I was seven. So like Tub Thumper kind of existed in my musical world. All it just was always there, and that's all I knew. Mm -hmm. So I didn't Mm -hmm. know like it coming out. The people who liked it, it was just part of that. I mean, it was playing after like Train on the radio. Like that's how I know Tub Thumper. (laughs) Right. So it's 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 a different it's a different way that I got Tub Thumper than you two had Tub Thumper. I think the way that you got it was the way that most people. I I was twenty uh twenty five when it came out. And it was when I was still working in radio. And no, I, I I think the way you got it as a, you know, a seven-year-old was the way that pretty much everyone in the States got it, just because we weren't really familiar with the fact that, you know, this is a band that started with, like, super political band mm-hmm. crass, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. we weren't aware of the background of this. Uh, you know, we just kind of, and when it was surrounded by all that, that fluff, it just felt like more fluff. Right. I do love the fact that like the world cup tried to buy the rights to, um, tub thumper and they were like, yeah, no. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Oh, Nike wanted to use it and they wanted to give them uh, $1.5 million for the rights to it. And they were like, yeah, it took us like half a second to go like, no, but, um, there's a song called pass it along on their album. What you see is what you get. And, um, general motors ended up giving them $70,000 for it. And they were like, yeah, sure. And they funded, they used all $70,000 to fund, um, uh, two groups, indie media and, uh, corp watch who, um, used the money to launch, uh, environmental campaign against General Motors. That's awesome. So that's awesome. That's, yeah, <laughs> that's I think that's awesome. so great. So you're obviously a fan of this record. Are you a Are you a fan? And I've heard you already reference a couple more Chumbawamba. You're a big Chumbawamba guy, then, Mike. I, very recently, it wasn't until last year where I was like, you know, it's a band that I've really wanted to dive into a little bit more because I've always heard that there was more substance than what you would think. Tub thumping offered and once i started getting into it yeah i am really into it um it, it kind of spans like a whole range of music from like 80s pretty hardcore punk stuff up until like um they kind of do like johnny rotten did with the sex pistols where when he left that he did public image limited so you know this is definitely more of like a techno type you know, there's samples and stuff like that. And then after Tub Thumper, uh, they kind of stripped everything down. And they, in their final years, they broke up in 2012. They just kind of became like an acoustic band and did a lot of harmonies. They put out an album of like English rebel songs from, I think, like the 1500s or something like that. Oh, and wow. uh, This band is an encyclopedia of madness. Apparently, <laughs> they, really, they really were. Yeah, uh, I'm glad you didn't tell Brand that you were getting into Chumbawamba, or otherwise he would have uh, he would have convinced you to start listening to black metal instead. I I've listened to my fair <laughs> share of black metal. I you know I was in high school in the '80s. You think yeah. I haven't listened to plenty of bands that wore corpse makeup? Of course I uh, have. Yeah. I do need to ask: Do you own this record, this Anarchy, in any form? Now that I have two kids and I realize I can't have anything nice anymore, okay. I have um, 
it, it wasn't actually until COVID when a younger coworker convinced me to um, start streaming. And I, I really resisted. Like, if I found something on Spotify that I really liked, I needed to own it. And uh, Idols was the band before this that uh, I ended up buying all of their albums, physical copies. And I'm like, why? And, I, you know, I... I I don't know that I'm ever going to be a person that doesn't need to own physical copies of things just because, you know, sometimes stuff isn't streaming anymore and it's nice to have that physical copy. But uh, um, I don't own any physical Chumbawamba right now. I only ask because Scott and I looked this record up when you gave it to us. And in addition to it being impossible almost to stream somewhere. <laughs> really? Yeah, we, yeah, we, ha- yeah, we both on had Spotify. It, it wasn't what we checked. We looked and it wasn't there. We had to, we had to sign up for iHeartRadio. You can. It's definitely on Spotify. I listen to it all the time on Spotify. I feel like we looked up Spotify and it was not on there, Scott. I don't know yeah. what happened. I don't. I don't, know. I don't know why we couldn't find it. But I'll look it up again. Right. But I got You got to remind me after we're done with the show to cancel that iHeartRadio subscription. I canceled mine this morning. After I after I, I re-listened to it this morning, I was like, cancel this. I don't need this iHeartRadio subscription. I'm never going to use that again in my life. Although iHeartRadio did use the alternate album art. They did not use the oh, uh, wow. the baby coming out of the vagina. They used the... Oh, okay. Art. I thought you were going to say they used the original album art. Yeah, no. The, no, um, they did not. Yeah, yeah. The, the original album art is a, a baby being born. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And... Uh, it has been replaced for streaming services uh, as just a painting of flowers. And yeah. some record stores wouldn't, you know, display the cover art either. Well, it got it got pulled from record stores because of the cover art I read somewhere, which is yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna be honest. When I put the cover art up for this episode, you're getting the painting of the flowers. Oh yeah, yeah. That's fine. <laughs> you know, it, it's it's so odd though because it's not pornographic. No, I I worked in television in the very early 90s and um, for like a my city's municipal access show and the hospital had a series that we would show and they did an episode on childbirth and my boss made me pixelate out the childbirth. And this was when you were still editing on like three quarter inch videotape. So it would like shuttle back and forth, back and forth. So I watched a baby go like, <laughs> like in and out of a woman's vagina over and over and over again. Yeah, that'll change. Shuttle to find the first frame. Oh, that'll change. Yeah. Horrific. It did. I imagine, I imagine that's coming up in your therapy. I, <laughs> I, you know, when we had our second son, I made the, both our, my kids that were C-section babies and I made the mistake of saying, um, well, this will be my last chance to see this. And I looked over my shoulder when uh, they were weighing oh. him and because uh, I knew my wife was behind me. And uh, I looked on the table and uh, and quickly looked back and I was like, you can't unsee that. <laughs> you, and, you and I have had the same experience then because when Lucas was born, it was a C-section and I they went to weigh Lucas and I turned the wrong way. And looked behind Ooh. the curtain and saw the doctor like elbow deep with <laughs> organs in his fist, shoving them back into Emily's stomach. It was, I'll, I'll never 
get rid of that from my brain. Well, welcome to the Birthcast. Um, yes. <laughs> my wife looked like a slow Wolverine on the side of I-75. It was, it's wow. terrifying. Absolutely it terrifying. It really is. So let's get in, let's get into this Chumbawamba record. Okay. Let's do it. The band was Boff Whaley, who um, was their lead guitarist, and in the later years, one of the lead vocalists. Lou Watts, who um, is another one of the lead singers. Alice Nutter, who is, did um, like keyboards, and she was one of the more outspoken, politically minded ones. She's the one who went on Politically Incorrect and said, um, your wealth shouldn't determine if you have nice things or not. If you want nice things and you don't have money to get it, just steal it. So go out to the record store and steal our albums. And then it made like the uh, record label go, okay, we got to put all of their albums behind the counters and stuff. Um, (laughs) I love her. Yeah, she's pretty awesome. Dunstan was um, the guy, he he does more of the rappy type vocals for this. And... um, Dan Burt No Bacon does most of the lead vocals on this. I, I like his sensibility, his stinging singing style. He has a weird accent. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I do like it that he likes to take down pop stars. Like I hate every pop star that I ever met. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, it came out between the albums, Shh, which uh, is sort of like that Beastie Boys album that has tons of samples. So it's kind of hard to find. Uh, Paul's because they didn't have the rights. Yeah, because uh, yep. they didn't have the rights to any of the samples. And like De La yeah. Soul for years. Yeah. Um, it came out originally on One Little Indian Records, which uh, that record label changed its name to uh, One Little Independent Records. And then they um, donated money to um, organizations to assist Native American communities in North America, just because they were unaware at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, And that's a record label that was produced by other anarcho uh, punk bands from the 80s. I'm so appreciative of these little tidbits we're getting about them doing good, because so often Scott and I will go into a record and honestly, three sentences in, it's like, why isn't this man in jail? (laughs) (laughs) For real. It's it's a bummer. So I'm glad that there's some good things surrounding this band. Yeah, really yeah. the only dirt I was able to find was Dunstan Bruce was kind of honest about he didn't really practice what he preached. And um, when they got success from tub thumping, he went out and bought himself like a, a fancy car. But then very recently, he just finished a documentary that kind of takes an honest look at, okay, we set out to make this band to make the world a better place did we actually accomplish anything or could we have used our efforts better and uh was it just an excuse for us to be rock stars that documentary is um in film festivals and stuff like that right now so i haven't seen it yet but it sounds like such an Mm. interesting premise and um i've become more um world-minded with my stand-up and sometimes I do have to take an honest look and go am I just looking for a new angle to make myself more relevant or (laughs) you know like it's I like it that he's taking an honest look at you know his accomplishments so number five on the American charts on the week this came out was Crash Test Dummies Canadian Superstars but their song yeah "Mm, buddy mm, 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 mm." And I don't imagine those guys <laughs> had many groupies at all. So maybe they're good guys. I love that band. 
I, I went on a deep dive with them too a long time ago and it was fantastic. A lot of this stuff that's on the charts and even the stuff that came out, like this is in that period where it totally missed me. Like it's it's after the music my parents were listening to. Damn. And then it's before I started getting the music. So there's that chunk there that Chumbawamba falls perfectly into that if it wasn't tub thumping and a giant hit, I know nothing. What nothing. was your endpoint for music? Like what kind of music did your parents listen to? And do you have older siblings, Brand? I, I do not have older siblings. I am the oldest. Okay. And my dad was in like a classic rock cover band. So like hard partying music. He, he was the guy. I can't listen to the Beatles because he, drove the Beatles down my throat for right. decades. I can't, I can't do it. And then I talked to Scott all the time where there was a point in my life where it was like Led Zeppelin or Black Sabbath. Like which one, I got to make a choice. I don't know why I had to make a choice, but in my head, I needed to make a choice. <laughs> and it's like, well, do I want to listen to Zeppelin? listen to a band that, um, like uh, Black Sabbath that wrote uh, original music or do you listen stole to- stole everything. <laughs> Led Zeppelin that stole everything. Yeah, I went with Black Sabbath, but it was more for the evil. It's the right choice. Yeah, and what? But then I went from Black Sabbath. I didn't go to like, oh, let's listen to all Black Sabbath discography. It's like, oh, now let's go listen to Cannibal Corpse. Mm. So then I dove down that, and then for years didn't even want a clean vocal. Like if I heard a clean vocal, I was pissed off. Like this is trash. I don't want this. And then eventually looped back around, and now we are where I'm at now, where I kind of listen. And it's oversaid and overused by people, but I do kind of listen to everything. Like, I hate yep. when people say I listen to everything and it's like, oh, well, do you listen to Alan Jackson? I don't listen to fucking country. It's like, well, well I, I, I think there's a difference <laughs> between people that listen to everything because they love music and people that listen to everything because they have no preference. And I think or you guys are. Uh, yeah. 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 And I, I think you guys are, you know, people that love music. So listening to everything kind of checks out you know with an asterisk because there's a sun record that no <laughs> no we that is a no if 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 i have to love that sun record to love music i do not love music i have the billboard 200 for april 9th 1994 the top albums uh we'll start with number five a big one for all of us in this room yanni's live at the acropolis you know, the story behind that album is so... <laughs> no way you have a Yanni story. No way you have a Yanni story. He wasn't a oh huge God, star, <laughs> but they were here. looking for content for um, public television. So, like, someone had the idea of, like, well, why don't we take this guy that, you know, plays piano really well and put all this money into this thing and just create public television content and it was that showing over and over and over again on public television that made him a superstar. Like all the tickets given out were free. Like no one paid to go to that show. They're like, yeah, this will be a right spectacle now? thing. Yes. Oh my God. Yeah, you guys should deep dive into <laughs> how Yanni came to be. It is just. Are you all right if I don't do that? <laughs> it, it is all like, hey, I wonder if I can buy a lot of success. And it turns out, yeah, you can. <laughs> so kind of like the opposite of what Chumbawamba was going for. Exactly. And that's why Yanni's at number five and Chumbawamba's not on the charts at this point. Yep, exactly. So. Yeah. Uh, number four, we have the Above the Rim soundtrack. I just watched that like two weeks ago. Did you really? That's funny. That's 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 Tupac, right? Tupac's in there? Yeah, I, have, I haven't watched it in a really long time, but yeah, Tupac's in it. 
It's definitely not my favorite basketball or Tupac movie, but it was <laughs> There you go. Number three, we have Ace of Base with the sign. This was a, a CD my sister owned. I heard this playing in my house all the time. That was one of the only songs that you could play on the recorder. Like when oh, you really? got that, that <laughs> shitty plastic recorder in school. And it's like, if you wanted to learn a song, hey, you can learn like ju- the Jurassic Park theme or Ace of Base. Oh, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> all right. I learned something. There I like that go. song. I, that's all I know about Ace of Base, though, is that track, I think. Did they have another hit? Yeah, they had like three or four off that record. I can't name them, but, but was, I can sing was them any for of them sure. As close to as big as Don't Turn Around was a big one. I liked it better when they were called ABBA. Yeah, I was just going to mention that they were post-ABBA, ABBA. But yeah, they had like three or four singles off that record that ended up being pretty big. Then number two, we have Bonnie Raitt with Longing in Their Hearts. Don't know a whole bunch about Bonnie Raitt. And then the number one record that I know I like a lot, pretty sure Brand likes a lot. Not sure about you, Mike. Uh, Number one, Pantera with Far Beyond Driven. Oh, okay. That's one of the ones. That's one yeah. of the ones. You know, I only like two Pantera records, and that's one of the ones. And I know my Pantera record uh, takes are hot, so I'm going to stay away from <laughs> that for now. I have a name droppy story that uh, I don't get to tell that much, but um, love it. My friend uh, owned the stage monitors for a local venue called Harpo's, and Pantera was playing uh, very, very early '90s, um, probably before this period probably even earlier 90s he asked me and my friend gary like uh hey you guys want to watch the show from backstage and we were like yeah definitely so we were standing over by the monitor mixers on daryl's side and i'm just like staring out at the audience like whoa this is what it would be like to be on stage at harpo's this is yeah this is very early because this is before guar even played harpo's because oh wow um, okay I went out with the guys in Guar a lot. And um, so this was my first time on stage at Harpo's and I'm just not paying attention to anything. And Daryl's talking to us and I'm just looking at the audience and he asked, Hey, you guys want a couple of beers? And my friend Gary was like, yeah, sure, man. So he tosses a couple of beers towards me and Gary. I'm not paying attention until Daryl goes heads up. And I turn and a beer goes clunk and knocks like hits me <laughs> right in the head. And I go down and he's like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry, man. And he just hands me like a handful of guitar picks. He's like, are you OK? Are you? And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm cool. There's a lot of people out there. And uh, <laughs> yeah, so I, I thought he was like a, a really cool guy, even though he uh, bonked a beer can off my head on accident. That's awesome, though. Uh, I got a couple other records that came out or were on the charts at the time. Soundgarden's Super Unknown was at number eight. Okay. I got nothing for that. I know you're not a grunge guy. I was kind of. You thought Mike was going to hop on, and you were, and you two were going to pounce on me about being anti-grunge. I, I'm kind of with Brand on that, where I just kind of needed a little it. bit of God grit, <laughs> grit to the vocals. Like it, it's one of the reasons that I I couldn't. I wasn't really an Anthrax fan back in the day either. I I don't like pretty vocals, and yeah, I acknowledge Chris Cornell was a great singer, but. I don't necessarily need a great singer. I need a I need vocals with heft. Well, I hope you guys have a great podcast future. See you, Scott. <laughs> I mean, you can go. Hey, you might as well go start the one with your son because you already forced yeah, me out of that it. thing. That's it. 
That's the end. We'll stop the charts and go with records that came out at the same on the same uh, the same month, same year. Coming out on April first, we have In Flames with their debut, Lunar Strain. Their debut in '94. Yeah, I've listened to it. I, I think the I think In Flames album art is great, and <laughs> their album art is great. <laughs> Some of their stuff is really long winded for me. There's just there's just, they just do too much. I know it's de- there's definitely out there for people. People love In Flames, but yeah, I like like two records, and again, the ones I like are hot takes. So <laughs> that that's what we're good for: hot takes on well known and established bands. <laughs> Hot I takes mean, on cold axe. Album art can make or break a, a band. Like, you know, it's true. Do you think maybe like the Vincent Locke paintings, you know, helped move some Cannibal Corpse records? Yeah. Maybe? Vincent 100%. Locke from Ann Arbor, Michigan, by the way. Oh, is that right? Wow, that's a that's a fun yeah. fact. I didn't know that. Yeah. Speaking of Cannibal Corpse, the bleeding came out on the twelfth. Yeah, okay. I got that right here. Actually, going through this, I realized April 94 was an amazing month for music releases because uh, The Offspring's Smash came out on the 8th, which is the best-selling independent record of all time. That's what I was just going to say. Wow. Still, still, holds time. That? still holds that title? Yeah. Well, yeah, records don't sell like that anymore. I know, but I yeah, was wondering like, if you would if you would do the same thing that like the Billboard does and incorporate streams. I, they, they, that can't be true, right? Probably not, but that we're talking just pure record sales. Yeah, because I think like I think Juice World was independent, and I know he's like has three of the top set streaming albums on Spotify, which is crazy yeah. to me. Hole came out with "Live Through This" in April '94. It's not my favorite Hole. That's not the Celebrity one I'm getting. Where it's at? Celebrity Fuck. Skin is the one you will get eventually on that record. Lots Although that, 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 that makes me a hypocrite because it is kind of grungy. You know what I mean? So yeah. Well, yeah, Kurt I mean, Cobain wrote the entire thing. I mean, they're they're catchy songs. You know, Scott's not always into catchy. I think we'll realize that on this episode here in a little bit. Oh shit! <laughs> <laughs> Rollins Band came out with "Wait." I don't know if any of you, are, either of you, are into okay. the Rollins Band at all. Yeah, I was. A, I'm a big fan of that record. I, I'm not super familiar. Oh, you're not. I'm gonna put I've, that on I've, the list because I I really love that record. Okay, I don't know if I've listened to that one, but I've listened to some because that dude okay. is a unique individual. Henry yes, Rollins he is. is wild. <laughs> yeah, uh, coming out on the nineteenth, we have Nas with Illmatic, greatest hip hop record of all time. It's amazing. Period. Top Period. five. It's for number one. Sure. It's number one for me. There's no better hip hop record than that. New York State of Mind yeah. is maybe the greatest hip hop track of all time. Yeah, well, it sounds like someone's never listened to Nucleus Jam on Revenge. I can tell you I haven't because I don't know what that is. <laughs> I don't either. <laughs> you would know the uh, it's the wiki, 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 wiki song. You guys would both know it <laughs> if you heard it. Okay. I'm gotcha. glad neither of us responded and you immediately launched into I'm telling you guys, I'm t- you'll know it. <laughs> that that is a reoccurring theme on this on this podcast, because every time I mention mm. a song, Brand's like I don't know it. Well, if you if you hear it, you would know it. And then Brand mentioned some obscure fucking pop shit from 2003. Oh, if if you heard it, you would know it. Scott, hold on. He pumped the bricks. Can you call it an obscure <laughs> pop song if it's on the Billboard Top 10? I don't think you it's can. It's obscure for the me. Reason, the reason it's there is because it's not obscure. It's and pop popular. Like, that's why it's pop. Then why haven't I heard it? Because you shut yourself in a grunge bubble for 15 years. 
That's true. Because <laughs> you're like John Travolta. You're the boy in the bubble. That's an obscure <laughs> reference. See, that's what gotcha. the word obscure means. Ah, I reference a made-for-television movie from the 1970s. Not a big theatrical blockbuster that was up for awards. An obscure made-for-television movie called Boy in the Bubble with John Travolta. Sure. That's, that's how you properly use the word obscure. I don't know. Britney Spears toxic is pretty obscure for me. I, I got to go brush my hair. That 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 reference of boy, the bubble blew my hair back. I I, <laughs> I am stunned. I'm stunned into silence by that because, yeah, that is an obscure reference. And I usually think I'm pretty good at obscure references. That one is far exceeds me. <laughs> also, uh, you're like John Travolta because you're a deeply closeted Scientologist. Oh, are we all? The, are we all? <laughs> I got one last release coming out. On the 26th of April, 1994, Outcast Southern Playlistic Cadillac Music. Outcast? Outcast, yeah. Southern Playlistic okay. Cadillac Music. Big fan. Cool. It's an early one. It's an early yeah. one. Yeah, it's their debut. Oh, okay. So I guess it's time to get into this thing and either disappoint or excite Mike, right? It's about that time. I, I feel like I've been doing a very good job so far of siding with one of you against the other one. Now I feel like it's going to be my turn in the barrel. Okay. If I were to guess, I don't think Scott and I feel the same way about this record. That's just a guess. That's based off what I heard in it and what I think Scott likes and listens to. Okay. But let's dive into it. First track. <laughs> Here we go. It's a takedown of pop stars, particularly Bob Dylan. It's a reference to his documentary, Don't Look Back where his manager, Albert Grossman, tells him, they're calling you an anarchist now. And Bob Dylan just kind of smiles and goes, hey, give the anarchist a cigarette. And it's just kind of making fun of poser, um, activists, rock stars. And uh, I I like the song a lot. Scott, where are you sitting with on this one? <laughs> uh, oh, I, didn't, <laughs> I didn't, right off the bat, didn't expect a female vocal. Uh, because okay. Tub Thumping, I don't know, for some reason, I just always thought Tub Thumping had a prominently male vocal. Yeah. But her voice is quite nice. Yeah, there's really only one Dunstan Bruce vocal song on this album. So yeah. it's. I thought it was going to be closer to Tub Thumping, but I realize it really is not. It is a bit of a leap. So yeah, yeah I get that. I love the horn runs through the song. Wow, he's pinpointing these little things because he doesn't want to give you his opinion on this song as a whole. No, no, no. <laughs> uh, the groove of this track is incredible and the chorus is super catchy. I love the cacophony of sounds that drop out toward the end. Uh, I actually really enjoyed this track. Wow. Yeah, the okay. bass line is probably one of my favorite bass lines. Yeah, the, the groove is, in, is yeah. amazing. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, yeah. this track is unbelievably catchy and unbelievably poppy. When I came into this record, yeah. I was not expecting the pop that I was getting. And I love this kind of pop. This is, this is, was, it's, it's like this was made for me right off the bat immediately. It has a new best friend. <laughs> it, it has a melody that I feel like I recognize. I don't know if you know, was this in a, a movie or a video game at any time, Mike? Do you know if this was somewhere? No, because no. I, I recognize the melody. I don't know if it maybe just it's one of those melodies that's very familiar because it's so poppy. That's a possibility. I mean, they do little nods to things like mm -hmm. the uh, the burn it down is kind of a, a nod to mm -hmm. 
Dexy's Midnight Runners, which coincidentally another band that's known for like one song in the United States, yeah. but overseas they had much more of a politically charged career. Um, and the rest of their catalog but, doesn't sound anything like that one hit one. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. yeah no, I, I, I couldn't find anything. Uh, I, I did really deep research on this and uh, I couldn't find any indication of this being used okay. elsewhere. And, unless it's one of those, like it's off just enough that we didn't have to pay. Yeah. That's possible. <laughs> right. Yeah. It, this feels bonkers to me that it's from like 94 because there's such this smooth, like clean, bright vibe of the track. And then the, the off kilter message of, like you said, taking down pop stars and things and Bob Dylan. Mm-hmm. I, and then I could have ended the track halfway through, but then it did some 80 shit with like some, some sounds and some, some tinglings in there that I'm not a hundred percent against where normally I probably would be against that. But for some reason, they did it. They built again to that incredible chorus. What an opener. Perfect opening track. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. Scott, you got anything else for give the give the anarchist a cigarette? I, I was surprised by how much I liked it. Because it is super poppy. Oh yeah. And you know, you don't have to agree with me. Like I I know. I'm totally... no, I, here's the thing. We're coming off of Behemoth, where we've listened to nothing <laughs> but Behemoth. And we're coming off of the yeah, the Sun Record. And the Loudwire list that we've been listening to, I needed something different. And this is, this, it it was a lovely opening track. Moving on to Time Bomb. This shit is insane. This track, you mentioned him earlier, ABBA. This track to me is like if ABBA got addicted to sniffing glue in jolly old England. Like they took a vacation (laughs) to England. They started sniffing glue, never got out of the streets. I fucking love this. I, I don't hate it getting super electronic in this one. They're hitting every note for me. Like if there was a checklist of what would brand like in a song, every fucking what they're just checking them all off. And I am so invested in this. I enjoy myself. It's keeping me interested. This is so catchy. The, the songwriting is unreal on this. I was not expecting this at all. Some of this may be because maybe my expectations were low because of Tump Thumping. That's a possibility. Mm-hmm. But I love what I'm getting two tracks into this thing. Lou Watts does the vocals on this, and it was commercially successful. It was their second uh, UK singles to chart. It only got up to number 59. And um, the single version of this, which is also used in the music video for it, is actually better than the album version. I, What's I, the difference in it? Uh, it's a little bit longer. There's an extra section well, in out. it. like. Um, this album, a lot of their albums are kind of made to go from one track to the next. So the singles that they've had are kind of like, um, standalone versions of things. And it's just like an extra little bridge, uh, that Alice Nutter sings on. Scott, what do you got on time bomb? I appreciate that the horn is back. Yeah. I, I do love the, the John Williams fan in me loves a good trumpet. Yeah. Yep. I'm a big fan. Uh, the danciness of this track surprised me, and that synth of the background is pretty amazing. Just when I think it's getting too dancey for me, though, the distorted guitars kick in, and it brings me right back. It gets really electro-heavy with about a minute left, and then the guitar comes back, and I'm about it. I'm amazed at how many sounds they managed to blend and have me not hate it. 
because yeah. separate sounds in this song in particular should have me despising this song. But you give me the random horn throughout. I love it. You give me the distorted guitars coming in, kicking in every once in a while, just giving me a little taste and it brings me right back. And then the, the vocals, I must be like a female vocal fan now because I, I love it. If you know me, you know, my history, I'm not a female vocal guy, but working wow. On I, yeah. We're doing work on it. And it's, and it's, She's great. I, I do think it really helps that Boff Whaley is not a great guitar player. Like if you watch any of their live stuff from this era, you you can go like, oh wow, that's just a lot of bar chords. Yep. And power um, chords. <laughs> yeah, I, I think he really knows his limits and does a good job of using guitar, you know, not to bring it back to chili peppers, but I think it's sort of similar in the way that John Frusciante knows, understands the concept of less is more sometimes Yeah, with guitar work. Except in his own records. Except for in his own records, yes. <laughs> John Frusciante's solo stuff, especially his later wild. stuff where he's like, ooh, I got a synthesizer. It's like, ooh. Yeah. Moving on to Homophobia, the one that I was worried about based off nothing yeah. more than the year it came out and the song title. We get a wild, like, tavern jingle, like a shanty cut almost. Yeah. Yes. And the fact that this is 94, the song's homophobia, you did mention Philadelphia, so that does play into the context of it a little bit more. But I think them being British also helped, because I think America 94 was a little different talking about gay right, gay, gay anything. Let's put it that yeah. way, gay anything, other than Philadelphia, obviously, but... It, it this song was great. I'm not saying it, this is like something you need to put in the Smithsonian because it's not like a a, a musical achievement, but right. I thought it was a good song. Yeah, I, I lyrically it's an excellent song. This is an exception where I personally like the album version better than the single version because the the single version has more uh, instrumentation to it, and I feel like the stripped down version of it where you just kind of let uh lou watts vocals you know do most pretty much all the heavy lifting of yeah. this and lyrically i like the way that when at the time people were dehumanizing mm -hmm. gay people that this song does the exact opposite and dehumanizes homophobes yeah and yeah. it's it's perfect and it does it perfectly too like it's not even it's even somebody who may have been on the fence in 94 and heard this. I don't know if they, well, if you're, first of all, if you're homophobic, I guess in 94, it might've been a cultural thing. Let's move past that. In 94, if you heard this and were a homophobe, it might, you might not even be smart enough to figure out that that's what it's doing. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it, and you know, it, you know, there's definitely a, a lot of AIDS panic at the time. Mm -hmm. And I, I do like that they're calling homophobia a disease. Mm-hmm in the song too. It, it, it really does flip things pretty nicely. I actually like this track. The Euro folk style instrumentation of this track is fantastic. I love that they switched it up from the danciness of time bomb going into homophobia. Um, I love the lyrical content, the sentiment behind the song. Uh, it's a truly great track. 
moving on to on being pushed. It's kind of just a quick interlude, but it feels yeah. like almost a commercial within the record. Yeah. And then that, that makes me be more aware of kind of every intro of the tracks. You kind of hear like a channel change almost. Yep. Like you hear like they're, they're just yeah. channel surfing yeah. to get to the tracks. I love like, it. Like a sting in between sketches almost. Like, like yeah. yeah. Their album, What You See Is What You Get, actually does have the sound effects of changing dials and little commercial jingles and stuff like that uh, in it. So yeah, it's definitely a precursor to that. And I think without this homophobia and the next track might kind of blur together a little bit. So I think it is a good palate cleanser between two pretty haunting songs. It's just a, it's just a groovy little interlude. It's no, it's nothing. Because the next track, heaven and hell actually does kind of open the same with the same kind of vibe. It's very light. It's very airy. It's a very, the emptiness of it is, is what's you're seeing first, as opposed to when they fill it up later in the track. This track made me notice that a lot of the female vocals sound very clean and forward where a lot of the male vocals on this, they feel a little more processed and a little more deep in the mix. And whether that's intentional or not, I fucking love it. I love everything about it. Yeah, I I think it has to do with the fact that um, Lou Watts is just a better singer than um, No Bacon. His vocals have grown on me. I've listened to a bit of his post-Chumbawamba stuff. But it's kind of a thing that he does later too where it's just like hey no i have a weird voice so we're gonna bury it in the mix and put some processing (laughs) on it he almost sounds like a a cartoon villain at times there's times where the tone of his voice have you ever heard of the toy dolls old punk band from england yeah Uh, there's one song by them that i I, it's all i hear it's i've got asthma and i hear like tones of that when he's singing so i've got asthma and i can't breathe I went to yes. the doctor's and it gave me one of these. That's about that. First of all, that track is fucking amazing. <laughs> but I hear maybe it's also because that's one of the the only or one of the earliest English accent vocals that I'm familiar with. So that's why I, re- I hear it in this one also. Yeah, because there is a, a thing. Uh, and I guess it's because so many musicians grow up with American pop music mm-hmm. that it almost seems like you know that that phenomenon where you're listening to a band and and then you hear like an interview with them like like cardigans is an example of that and you're just like how did you sing so clearly but then you talk and you know you sound like you're clearly from iceland or something like that yeah i think no bacon is sort of like bjork in that where like bjork doesn't lose her accent either when she sings and uh where so many other pop stars from other countries kind of send sound sort of middle America. At least, like, at least I didn't like, know where Silverchair was from. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <That's true. laughs> when Scott revealed to me that they were Australian teenagers, I thought my head was going to explode. Cause yeah. I, I thought they were like 20 year old dudes from LA. Like it was, yeah. like, really they should crazy. totally be an orange County band. And then you hear 100%. them and they're like, good day. And it's like, yeah. what the? <laughs> it made me rethink everything I listened to <laughs> because yeah. I thought they were just vocal inflections. I thought they were just like making these weird vocal inflections, but it's their accent coming through a little bit here and there. Yeah. Yep. Scott, what'd you think of heaven and hell? Uh, not bad. It got too I electronic like the, for you. I like the strings that were subtly in the background. 
Okay. They were nice. But it, the it build at the end was nice. It, man, it was it was pushing it then at that point. <laughs> okay. It was pushing it. This is the first one that I was listening to. And I was like, "Ooh, this is this is gonna test Scott. This one's gonna this one's gonna test him. He's 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 gonna be hit or miss with this one." Yeah, it's it's not bad. I'm glad on being pushed was in between homophobia and heaven and hell because it's such a like to me the instrumental was such a drastic change going from the the tavern style acoustic homophobia feeling to the super produced feel like super abba clean feeling of heaven hell and lyrically this is just kind of you're coming off of three pretty hard hitting songs yeah. that are saying something and then this song is just like oh yeah that's you know that's cute <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's yeah cute. Yeah. yeah. Uh, speaking of electronic songs, though, let's move on to Love Me, because uh, I felt like this one was super weird and electronic, and it gave me big Kraftwerk influence vibes. But imagine Kraftwerk if they had, like, an unreal, catchy pop hook, because that's what this is. Yeah, this is making fun of uh, specifically U2 um, and Bono, <laughs> the Johnny Trabant character in it. There's sort of like... Um, take on Bono. It was kind of making fun of that over-the-top theatric experience that U2 was doing. Like, look how big our shows are getting now. It's like, you know, you guys were kind of like Irish activists and, you know, now you're just, you know. Super pop stars. Yeah, I I always kind of um, want to bring things back to Guar, but I also don't want to uh, <laughs> speak ill of the dead there's a documentary on shutter right now where uh one of the guys who i remain friends with in guar is really crass in talking about the late dave brocky and i don't want to be guilty of that at all but there was definitely a time with guar where i was like oh remember when you guys were kind of parodying this thing that you guys are doing exactly right now oh no and uh yeah on our guar episode i spoke about how guar for me was like one and done like yeah i, I love i loved uh scum dogs and then it was kind of just like oh this is this is similar and then the next album is oh this is this is kind of kind of where we're at too so i kind of did one and done and scott i think you want to you, you tried a couple more albums out yeah i've i uh, listened to like four or five Scum Dogs is still my favorite, but I I really loved uh, Hello. I think was their first one. It was which really surprised me. When you told me that, yeah, yeah. I, that era was. I would go out to Virginia. I would help them build penguins and shit for uh, the live shows, and I I would stay with Casey Orr and his wife at the time because it was either that or sleep in a sleeping bag on the floor of the slave pit and. Uh, <laughs> Uh, Sounds like a dream. Sounds yeah, like a so dream. they were they were very very good friends, and uh, there was a bit of a falling out for a few years. Okay, but um, yeah, rest in peace, Dave Brocky. Back to Chumbawamba. Scott, did for you have sure. any love me? You have any love me uh, opinions here? Uh, I love the channel changing sound. Some of these, uh, mm -hmm. most of these, it gives me uh, like yeah, a break. I'm uh, hey, I'm I'm giving you're it my trying. all. Uh, trying for the brass you're trying for the if, if i brought you this record not a, you would be like well this thing fucking sucks no that's not true uh <laughs> you're not gonna hurt my feelings i know 
I'm not. I'm. I'm reading the notes that I wrote down while listening to this without <laughs> thinking of you at all. This album is wild. They're kind of dipping their toes into everything on this record mm-hmm. with this little bit of rap that they got going on with this track. It's crazy. Like still, Scott and. As you know, if you're dipping into everything, you're still checking my boxes. Like, I'm still interested. Yeah, I know. I'm into left and right. You do some weird shit. I'm in. While I was listening to this, I was not worried what your view on this record was going to be. You knew. You knew I was going to love this shit. 100%. 100%. I like, too, that it opens with a line kind of mocking Johnny Lydon from the Sex Pistols, too. You know, with the, you know, it, it's a, a parody of Anarchy in the UK. I like it when hypocrites are taken down and yeah, I, I'm, I'm not a, a big U2 fan and uh, you know, that zoo TV era of U2 oh, in particular. God, the worst. Yeah. It was, it was like, wow, could this be anywhere? Oh, oh, you're automatically uploaded to my phone now. I yes, had no the choice, fuck? but to, yeah. Preloading yeah. an iPod with your latest shit record. Oh, and do they do a thing too, where like some sort of electron, like Wi-Fi enabled refrigerator came with like U two stuff on it too? I think yeah, I do I remember can't. that. I yeah. do think I do remember that. It was also there was also a sitcom that did a joke on that. Oh no, it yeah. was uh, it was that Andy Samberg movie, Pop Star Never Stop Popping, or something like right. that. Right? Yeah, which I think was a uh, making fun of yeah U two for doing that. Yeah, yeah. Let's uh, let's move on to Georgina. Scott, what yeah. about Georgina? This track feels like it's right off the set of Grease. <laughs> well, the the opening does come from uh, the Shangri-La song, Leader of the Pack. Gotcha. Uh, what an insane yeah. switch up of styles through this record. The character in this song. Georgina, yeah. Is she a serial killer cannibal? It is. The song is the plot of the movie, The Cook, The Thief, His Wife, and Her Lover, which... It's from a like in, it's a movie. Yeah, it's from a movie. Oh yeah. shit! And um, it came out in the very late '80s. When I know this is going to surprise you guys, but uh, when I was in <laughs> high school, I wasn't uh, I wasn't much of a puss hound. So um, <laughs> I would just uh, I know I, big shock. Uh, yeah. So I would just kind of go to the movies with my uh, my buddy Bill Appleton all the time, and we went because we'd seen everything else that was out. We went and tried to watch the cook, the thief, his wife and her lover. And uh, it was too artsy for us as 16 year olds. So I never (laughs) got through it. And I've been like, Oh, I, I, I need to watch this now. Now that I'm older and I actually appreciate film, but uh, I haven't, uh, I haven't been able to find it streaming. Uh, But in it, the thief discovered that his wife, Georgina had an affair with a man and uh, so the thief has the guy killed, and in revenge, the wife has her former lover's body and serves it to her husband. So oh, okay, um, and forces him to eat it before she kills him. <laughs> yeah, I without knowing the premise of the movie, the story of this song was fantastic. I yeah. loved it. Yeah, it's apparently an allegory for British politics. Uh, sort of like how Banshees of Inishurin is an allegory for like Irish politics, which I'm like, I, I like it. It's a movie about friends falling apart, but um, <laughs> it's definitely smarter than I am. But uh, 
yeah, this will come no surprise to you, Scott. And yeah, Mike, you you can hear this fresh out of my mouth. I usually miss most most meaning behind songs. Like I take them very literally. Like if, if there's a metaphor in it, I usually miss it. I'm just like, oh yeah, yeah. okay. But it's strange because in hip hop, I'm listening for metaphors and like I'm constantly dissecting okay. it. But in like guitar driven music, I guess you could say, I usually miss most of that shit. Mind you, I did, I could, t- I could detect in here though that it was dark and serious. So that you gotta give me some credit. <laughs> right, give me some credit for there that. There you go. But this song, Georgina, there's pop, and then there's pop that's so smooth and catchy, it's like you've known it all your life. And this 1950s sock hop ass dance song is incredible. I I love this thing. If I honestly felt like I've been listening to this, it, like I had it on a on a tape and a Walkman when I was 11. Like I loved it. <laughs> you need to go back and pay attention to the lyrics because it is fucked up. I did. I did. But like I, I recognized it was dark and serious, but yeah. <laughs> I, I didn't put it together. I was like, no, oh, I like the song. All right. Yeah, good song, guys. Good song. There's a, a song that I, I don't think is one of theirs, but they would play it live. Um, that's sort of a nice companion to this. Um, it's about a woman who sews her husband, the bed sheets around her husband. And when he wakes up, he finds out he can't move. And then she beats him to death with a frying pan. Jesus. And, uh, yeah. Now we're talking. Now that's the kind of story I'm getting into. Yeah. Moving on to dough. If there was one thing, that could have put this record above where I was already at. It's including the Simpsons in it. And <laughs> oh! It did it. It did it. It's all I needed. Homer came in, did a little feature, took off. I was fine. <laughs> yeah. I loved it. Little, again, it's just an interlude. Yes. Uh, basically the same thing with Blackpool Rock. It's kind of just another quick instrumental in between. I don't know how I feel about back-to-back instrumentals. That's what I was surprised by. It's an odd choice. Yeah. But they haven't steered me wrong yet, so I'm not mad about it. I looked at it more as like this record being a bunch of channel changing. Like mm-hmm. it's you changing the channel, seeing a commercial, watching yeah. another commercial, then changing the channel to this year's thing. Yeah. I guess song. in that context, it, do- it does work. Like I could see, yeah, that makes sense then. Yeah. yeah. If their whole thing has been channel surfing. You get two back to back that you, you know, you're not interested in immediately and you turn a channel. Yeah. I would have exactly. stayed on the Simpsons, but that's, that's the dummy I am. <laughs> I can't see it in my notes. Is there another Simpsons sample on this album? I think there is somewhere because I, mean, I remember. Yeah, I the, remember there's the Mr. Burns Smithers. Yes. Yeah. Yes, yep. There is. Yeah. Some sort of anarchist. I, I love yeah. that too. I, I, That's I love what it. No Bacon sounds like. Dambert No Bacon sounds like Mr. Burns to me. And Mr. Just Burns singing. just has an accent that is just mysterious. Yeah. We don't know right, what yeah. it is. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, great. Now I can't listen to Chumbawamba ever again because I'm going to picture Mr. Burns singing all of the uh, <laughs> Dambert No Bacon songs. I think Mr. Burns may actually be my favorite Simpsons character, so that helps me. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm moving on to this year's thing. Scott, what do you got? Uh, the band is all over the place musically. I love the party and bullshit sample on this one. That surprised the hell out of me. The horn is back. The guitars are like a secondary instrument. And it's like a little treat for me each time I hear it. Uh, I can't imagine the recording process for this track in particular. There's just so many things going on. Uh, it's pretty incredible. Yeah, it, it, it's a song about how um, the media circus and mm-hmm. this year's thing will be forgotten. And it kind of works that it's a busy song mm-hmm. because, you know, the media, 
which you know again for the 90s 94 touching on this yeah it's you know, crazy very prophetic for how things you know would definitely end up and you know 90s when they just had bbc you know or in channel four not this is this is know. one of those songs where i had to remind myself that this came out in 94 it's still to me uh, you mentioned them earlier scott there was a little i heard a little bit of b52s on this one like that chorus yeah. sounds like b52s yeah. to me a lot but with they add some distortion and then they make it slightly more murky as to what the fuck is happening like if you listen to a b52 song you kind of get it like you kind of know Rock exactly Lobster. what's going on exactly yeah. exactly love shack like we know <laughs> we, we understand what's shack. going on although yeah. maybe that's now because aren't because aren't they all like very pro gay songs so maybe they were references that we just they're just culturally understood now that back then maybe they weren't that's a that's another yeah i mean the video for love shack has rupaul in it mm-hmm. yeah it does way before yep. rupaul was rupaul rupaul yeah yeah, yeah. at this point i'm just I'm, I'm, I've given myself over to this record and I said, <laughs> this shit is so weird and it speaks to me perfectly. Like, I, I love this record already. Cool. The next one is uh, another, it, this is where the Simpsons intro is. In yeah, Mouthful of Mr. Burt. Yeah. And it's it's finally Dunstan Bruce, the singer of Tub Thumping, singing. It, this song is probably the one that's closest to Tub Thumper, I would say. In my notes, I have written down that it reminds me of like if I was thinking of tub thumping as Chumba Wumba song, this was the song that I would be expecting from a band that made tub thumping. And I think it comes down to that. The main thing that rocketed tub thumping is that chorus is undeniable. Like the chorus mm-hmm. of tub thumping is such a perfect pop chorus. And this is the same thing, but to the point where how I have it on my notes, I wrote how on all caps three times. How <laughs> is is can't hear you because your mouth's full of shit. Such a catchy yeah. and earwormy line. It's yeah. unreal. It's unreal yeah. to me. It kind of reminds me of my problem with the band Idols. Like if you guys do end up covering them, I feel like Joy is an act of resistance is unfortunately uh, as their second album where they peak for me yeah. anyway. And after that, um, a lot of the other more politically minded bands would uh, kind of take them down and accuse them of sloganeering. And when you're using slogans in songs, I think that just means that you wrote catchy lyrics because, yeah. you know, this song, you know, can't hear because your mouth's full of, you know, shit. It, it, yeah. It, it's catchy. It, it's a slogan and you yep. can have that on a bumper sticker it doesn't make it bad. It just makes it catchy. And yeah. I, I think the problem with the guys in Idols, particularly the singer, I, I think he's just so insecure that he tried to overcompensate for it. Where like the um, the next album that came out after that just kind of even has lines of like, how do you like that for a, a slogan? And uh, yeah, or a, a cliche or whatever. And it's like, oh, come on, man. Yeah, he fed in. He fed into it on that third record. I really like Brutalism. Brutalism's great, and and there's some good stuff on Mondo. But uh, after that, I'm pretty much off board of Idols. Yeah, my brain is getting excitedly dizzy with all these musical genre change ups and blendings. This is wild and nothing like what I expected. The more I listen to this, the more impressed I get. I really like this record. Wow! Wow! That shocks me. 
I listen to this record at least two times every day. I don't even want to dig into why, because I feel like you'll you'll like unearth couldn't something tell you. and you'll be like, never mind, I hate this. <laughs> nope, couldn't tell you. You may have personally increased iHeartRadio's stock by using that app so much. <laughs> uh, for real, like I'm not lying. Like two to three times a day, I listen to this record. I we listened wow. to it in the car ride home from Lucas's concert yesterday. Yeah, what, what did the family think of this as a whole? They didn't listen to the whole thing. They listened to the okay. first three tracks. And Emily was like, this is Chumbawamba? That's the same same. That's the same reaction I had. The same yeah. reaction I had. I was like, this this is what they're working with? Why yeah, did we get that bullshit? Although, I'll 100% where my head went. Why did still a banger. Well, yeah, but like when thinking about Chumbawamba, I think about it from 97 when I was a kid. And mm-hmm. this song sucks. I don't get it. And then we come to this and I'm like, when Mike said, let's do a Chumbawamba song, a record. I'm like, fuck me. Why? And then I listen to oh, it and, and I'm like, holy shit, this is amazing. And it's like their sixth record. You're, there were what? steps in that though, because it went from a Chumbawamba record. Oh no. To seeing the cover or no, to hearing it's called Anarchy. And be like, what's this about? And then seeing yeah. the cover is like, Oh my God, what, what are we doing? And then yeah. looking at the track list and seeing homophobia, it was just, it was like a culture shock almost. I was like, what, yeah. what am I getting into? What am I getting Completely into? Completely wild. Yeah. Moving on to never do what you're told. Uh, just quick little drum and piano bit. It feels like there's a weird effect on the music where it almost sounds like it's maybe some sort of instrumentation is backwards. Yeah. Like, yeah, you've recorded music. So mm-hmm. can you, do you have any insight of like how that might've been done? Cause it's really peculiar. In 94, I have no idea because that that's wild to do in 94. When I was doing music, I I mean, early thousands, I uploaded it to my computer and was able to reverse track whatever real easily with just a click of the button. But with this, I, I hear that feedback and what sounds like reverse instrumentation where it would have had to been, you'd had to reverse it on tape and then record that onto another track. So it, okay. it would take a lot of work to do it back in 94 because the, the technology yeah. just wasn't there. So you do agree that it's pro- it is probably something being played backwards then? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, okay. Yeah. The, the thing that gets me with that, I hear it because you hear the ringing out before the note is played. Right. And then it's like a, just a quick off from, the, from that sound from the note. So it's like plunking a note on a piano letting it resonate, but flipping it for the resonation to be the main part of it. I don't know. It's, it's incredible for them to do that on a record like this. I think it shows a lot of musical knowledge and like recording knowledge. It's, it's crazy to me. Yeah. For the track itself, never do what you're told. I just have that. It's quick, solid and fun. But at yeah. this point I was getting, I was getting into like the idea as a whole of this record mm-hmm. and of about how they were tempering energy the whole way through it. Like whether it was intentional or not, it go, it builds up and then it levels out. It goes a little down and then it levels out a little bit and then it goes back up. And it just made me so comfortable. I was so comfortable in the record. There was never a moment where the energy wasn't coming at me from a direction that it didn't lead me in. And I, I thought that was perfect. It's nice too, that this is coming off two of the bigger male driven songs on the album. Mm-hmm. And this one is just a, uh, 
Lou and Alice doing vocals. And it really kind of is a nice like prologue to the next track, which is the only um, Alice Nutter lead vocal song on the album. Well, you mentioned it, so let's get into Bad Dog. It's a feminist anthem. Alice Nutter, who, by the way, uh, is not her birth name. Alice Nutter is one of the um, witches that was burned during the UK witch trials, which, in all fairness, was lesser than the uh, Salem witch trials. So, you know, we did better at... um, uh, We were better at killing witches, you understand? Yes, and uh, exactly. And like I said earlier, she was the more outspoken... Uh, politically minded uh, person in the band that caused a lot of controversy in the States, you know, when she got to do Politically Incorrect with Bill Maher and told people to go out and steal our albums if you want it. And uh, I think that holds true with uh, this song where it's, you definitely get the feel of who she is, you know, like she's reclaiming the word bitch and, uh, you know, it's a great bass-driven track. It has the trumpets that we love. There it is. I like that they had a good sense of humor about themselves, too. Like the song that I sent Scott earlier uh, before all this, the torturing James Hetfield, there's a, a line about making him listen to Chumbawamba's greatest hits. There's only one. <laughs> and uh, on their website they just put out like, they're like, Hey, here's all the really hard to find stuff that you might not have here. It is for free. You can download it or stream it. And, uh, they include a song from the band Oi Poloi that did a song talking about how, um, Chumbawamba were sellouts and stuff like that. And there's a line in it about, uh, Alice Nutter really disappointing them because she was supposed to be, you know, tried and true feminist anarchist. So, Yeah. Scott, what do you got for Bad Dog? I love dogs. Oh, you don't like the song? <laughs> it's not bad. Uh, no, it's funny. Uh, the diversity of this band is incredible to me. The amount of sounds and different instrumentals we get, the different vocals, it's it's amazing to me. Like, I, this band yeah. completely took me by surprise. In the earlier days, they would all switch instruments on stage and... Throughout their entire career, they would say, okay, this is the money that we're going to each get paid. It was roughly $180 per week. And um, they're like, if you want more, you can get paid more, but you won't have a part of the decision-making process. They live together in kind of like a co-op. And uh, they realized later that, you know, hey, maybe we should probably get really good at our own instruments instead of saying, hey, let me play trumpet <laughs> on this one. And uh, I think this album kind of speaks to that with, you know, it, there isn't a real through line to the album. It, it does kind of go up and down and left and right where yeah. um, what you see is what you get. Definitely feels more like a cohesive album than this does. But yeah, I, I, I totally get where you're coming from. There's the line in it near the end where uh, Dambert No Bacon, you know, just kind of shouts out that he's a transvestite. I'm the transvestite and, of the group. Yeah. Yeah. He was arrested. Like, this is how things were so different back then. He was arrested in Italy just for wearing a dress on stage. Crazy. Times were so different back then. Right. I was just going to say, there's even some record scratching on this song, which is crazy to me. Like, for a band of 
this style to throw in on a record in 94 was just, it's, man, they're crazy. It's just amazing. My take on Bad Dog Scott, are you ready for this? Because if I had a soundboard, I would fire up the horns. This yeah. is a 10 track. Is it? Ooh. This, the vibe, the lyrics, the energy, the wildness of it. This thing is excellent. Every single part of this track is perfect to me. Even the last minute where it gets that mix where it's just like, good girl, and just going back and forth. I fucking mm. love this thing. This is a 10 track, and it will go down as a 10 track in the annals of Are You Listening history forever. <laughs> yeah, this is uh, this is old school Chumbawamba on this one. Uh, this is like early 80s Chumbawamba. I feel like I now need to dive into Chumbawamba much more. If, if you're telling me that this is what I was going to already, but if this is what it's going to sound like too, oh boy. You're going to see me in a Chumbawamba shirt next week. <laughs> their first five album, and I do have a Chumbawamba t-shirt. It's the album cover for their uh, English Rebel songs. But uh, everything pre-shh is going to be more akin to this kind of song. Amen. So, Scott, let's move on to Enough is Enough. I love that we get a reggae track on this record. <laughs> like, there was nowhere else we could go. It had to be yeah. reggae. Right. And then, and, and it's not cultural appropriation because it no. is a, actually a combined track with the band uh, "Credit to the Nation." So it, it, it's sort of like a, a mashup. It's like the Aerosmith Run DMC, you know. Yeah, this yeah, is yeah. their walk this way. Yeah. The only downside I see in something like this is I don't exactly know what Chumbawamba's like identity as a band is because they've done so much that yeah. the pinpoint like is this an influence is this what they sound like is this them trying to sound like something else is this them satirizing something like i never know they toured with credit to the nation and um this was basically just a track that lou watts wrote with them she does the vocals the female vocals on this yeah it, it's um I, I, I get where you're coming from. This is another one of their singles, which, you know, is nice because it's probably the biggest hit that Credit to the Nation had. Mm -hmm. What I like, too, is that um, Austria elected a, um, a Nazi apologist as one of their, you know, leaders or whatever. So they re-recorded this with lyrics specific to Austria and they just gave those out for free anytime they would play in Austria. Oh, and uh, it, I like that they would, you know, do things like that. Like, no, we don't want money. We already, the song was a hit. Uh, so we put this out for you. And uh, you know, this is another one of those songs that's available on their website for free. So if you're not Austrian, you can still, you know, hear it uh, and there's a band that i've gotten into recently called bob villain and uh <laughs> you know they're a two-piece kind of like punk rap duo and they've teamed up with this and they're black guys and they've teamed up with this um white uh english punk band called kid Capici, and they're kind of doing the same thing as this where they're putting out music together like Hey, maybe it would be kind of weird for the guys in Kid Kabichi to be, you know, a bunch of middle-class white guys to be talking about race issues. So maybe we should, you know, actually hear it from the black people instead maybe of like, maybe we should yeah. bring the people into the conversation that the conversation's about. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
So I like that Chumbawamba. How about we just step back and give you a platform to to speak and uh, we accompany you? I mean, do they play this live without credit to the nation? Yeah. And is it kind of weird to hear them, you know, a bunch of white people from England doing reggae voices? Yeah. yeah. But, That's you know. right. but this track is a killer. This track is a killer. I fucking love it. I think this track is beautiful, especially coming off like Bad Dog. I said it's a 10 to me, but it's still a little cartoonish at times. Mm-hmm. Whereas this thing is just beautiful. And it, to me, my first thought, and I always have to write down first thought, best thought, right? It's like if Peter Cetera was doing reggae. Like that's, that's, <laughs> like, that's what I hear right off the bat. It's just Peter Cetera out there. Just guys, here we're, we're going to do this song and it's going to be great. And I'm always on board for an anti-fascist track. Always on board. Yep. And then finally, moving on to the closer rage that wasn't, for some reason, on iHeartRadio. Like the rest yeah, of the rage, out. but yeah. rage wasn't. Weird. So I yeah. did listen to it on YouTube once, but out of principle, because like like I said, this thing was hard to come by, apparently. But apparently Scott and I are just dumb. Yep. Out of principle, I refuse to listen to it any more than once. It was fine. But I think Enough is Enough would have been an incredible closer to that record. I think Rage was supposed to be a hidden track though. Yeah, I I could see that too. Um, Yeah. The, um, the lyrics in it, uh, don't go gently into the night rage against the dying of the light paraphrases Dylan Thomas's poem. uh, Do not go gentle into the good night uh, that he wrote about his dying father. And uh, it's supposed to be one of those. I'm not up on poetry. Like I, I wish I, could be, but it, it's sort of apparently a good metaphor for the human will to stand up in the face of annihilation. And uh, yeah. so I, I like that. And uh, I don't know if the version you listen to also ends with kind of a um, kind of like a swinging version of Time Bomb. But uh, I did not hear the Time Bomb. I, didn't hear I know that, what you're talking no. about, though. Oh, OK. Yeah, I saw it, that it existed, um, but I didn't listen to it. Okay, yeah, it, the album version kind of like does one of those like changing channels, and uh, it um, you get sort of like a a big like Vegasy style uh, over the top version of Time Bomb with lyrics changed to be more accessible and less <laughs> about um, you know it, Time Bomb is one where I am a pretty lefty guy, but you know I. I I don't want to speak for Alice Nutter, but I, I could see Alice Nutter saying, yeah, I, I think sometimes there is uh, cause to put a uh, a backpack with a bomb in a public place. And I would go like, eh, maybe we shouldn't kill people. Um, <laughs> yeah. and, and then after that little bit, uh, it goes to static and then a test tone and static again and then nothing. And the track continues with just like silence for a few seconds, which... I I really like it. It it just really puts a capper on, even if it was like a hidden track. Mm -hmm. uh, It it really closes out the album nicely for me, but I I could also see your argument with uh, enough is enough also being a good ending. All right. So Mike, what are your top three on this? You got three top three tracks. Give the anarchist a cigarette. I really like a lot time bomb. You know, I, I feel like I'm going to be so pedestrian about this where I'm like, <laughs> I like the songs that ended up being, you know, big hits. Um, uh, and it's a toss up for me between Mouthful of Shit and Enough is Enough. 
but uh and bad dog is so good too um um, hey scott scott usually takes eight or nine tracks for his top three so <laughs> i was gonna say it's more than me. that's all right <laughs> then my my number three is a three-way tie <laughs> that, that sounds all right it sounds like it. a scott move yeah so i think i covered every song that isn't a musical interlude between songs then fair. perfect that's fair scott what do you got top three i got a top four of course because i'm me yep number four is give the anarchist a cigarette loved it okay uh, number three is mouthful of shit. Number two is homophobia, okay. and number one is enough. En- is enough. Enough is enough is also my number one. I, yeah, I, I wanted to put Bad Dog there, but I'm enough surprised enough you did. So, it's so beautiful. Like enough is enough. It just has. It's just so beautiful that it's hard for me to not put it above it. But bad. I mean, okay, I'll do you, Scott. Two yeah. number ones. Bad Dog and go. enough is enough. Both <laughs> number one, and then Time Bomb probably two. Fuck it. Mouthful of Shit and Georgina are both my three because I love nice. those tracks. Yeah. Right. So I guess it's that time. Yeah. Mike, would you like to do the honors and ask us the question? Yeah. Thrown, own, phone, or grown? Uh, having not listened to any other Chumbawamba aside from the one single track, Tub Thumper, Throne? It's fantastic. This record is amazing. It blew me away. My first time through, maybe wasn't impressed like just at the the first half but as i went through it it grew on me like no other like this record is phenomenal the musicianship is amazing the, i love the switch ups between tracks i love that they tackle every single genre and i love the fact that i had to remind myself that this came out in 94 it's incredibly progressive it's just um it's amazing amazing this is a throne for me as well i'll take it one step further of chumbawamba this might be a early 90s throne for me because there's not much in there that I like that I know. So maybe yeah. once I broaden that, there might be some more. But this thing is a throne. It's unreal. Unlike you, I didn't need this thing to grow on me. Two tracks in, I was looking to buy this thing. I was already <laughs> looking it up. It's fucking a million dollars. I Yes, it is ridiculously I feel like priced. There, there is, there's a much higher limit that I'm willing to pay for this than other records as of right now. Sure. Mainly, the, I think that cover is a reason that a lot of them are expensive because yeah, yeah. Know, once they weren't, once people said we're not going to sell these and they stopped printing them, but yeah, it's a throne. It's it, this thing is unreal. I was not expecting anything close to this, and this oh yeah, legitimately, no, not only as a whole but individual tracks blew me away. I love this. It's an amazing yeah. record. I thank you. I love the whole like. This. TV changing concept, the channel changing thing. I love the idea of each track being a different show or something that we're getting into. I love, like I said, I, I loved this record. It's amazing. And yeah, thank you, Mike. I, I think you guys based on that would possibly enjoy WYSIWYG as well, which is how what you see is what you get is abbreviated. Uh, and they are most, this era stuff is on Spotify. Uh, I don't know why you guys couldn't find it. Um, We're stupid. Uh, it's, it's could you have misspelled Chumbawamba? <laughs> I don't think that's it. <laughs> this is uh, it's one of my go-to that I can multitask while listening to it. And uh, it, it's a nice upbeat album that I can, you know, cut the grass and blow the snow over and over and over, and over again. <laughs> So, albums of the week. Mike, you got an album of the week for us? I really like Bob Villain. 
it's like Bob Dylan, but with a V instead of a D. <laughs> uh, like I said earlier, it, there are two piece rap uh, punk band. And uh, I got to see them opening for Amel and the Sniffers locally last year. And uh, they put on a better show than Amel and the Sniffers, who I was expecting just a really high energy phenomenal show and Amel and the Snippers did do that but just to see these two guys bust their balls and just put on a phenomenal show and connect with an audience it was one of the best live experiences I've ever seen and uh I've become a huge fan of theirs so uh anything by Bob Bob Villain they are okay, a relatively so just the discography new- they're really new so you only have like two or three albums to choose from as well as their uh collaborations with kid capici uh but yeah i I definitely recommend people checking them out particularly if you are a chumbawamba fan because i I think you will find uh nice stuff there to um you know since chumbawamba has not been a band for 11 years Okay. Good shit. Scott, what's your record of the week? Speaking on bands that are only two members, I was listening to Japan Droids this week. Uh, their record Celebration Ooh. Rock. Uh, never listened to them before. Went to FYE. They had a record for $5. I picked it up because it was $5. Brought it home. Listened to it. And I was like, why have I not listened to this before? Great indie rock band. Uh, you wouldn't think that it's just a two piece, but wow, they they make sounds. And it's, they're great. It's fantastic. <laughs> they make sounds. Yeah. All right. Well, I guess I'll join into this. This is actually a wild coincidence that we're all taking two piece acts as our Love records it. of the week. And I am actually going farther that I don't know if I would have, I know I wouldn't have liked this as much without this Chumbawamba record, but I don't even know if I would have listened to this if I wasn't like on this <laughs> Chumbawamba wave right now. Uh, this album came out back early March. And it is the Sleaford Mods. It is the oh. the album UK Grim. Okay, uh, brand new. They're like a minimalist post punk, like electro punk kind of spoken word thing. They are specifically the band that took Joe Talbot from Idols uh, to task for uh, sloganeering. Oh, oh, that's okay. so funny. Yeah, <laughs> yep. And it was one of those because I was such an Idols fan where I was like. I'm not going to listen to Sleaford Mods. And then they popped up on uh, Spotify. I was like, fuck, Sleaford Mods is really good. <laughs> this is the first time I've ever heard of them. And I really liked this record. I, It's not something that, especially like post-punk, doesn't sound like something I'd ever be into. But I loved this thing. I just, just a quick, I'm going to read off what it says here. They're known for their abrasive, minimalistic music style with embittered explorations of austerity era Britain culture and working class life delivered in Williamson's East Midlands accent. Yeah. Okay. So it's kind of like, it's kind of like British, like lighter British death grips. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I, I think in particular, since, uh, you like Sleaford mods. I, I think you would really like Bob villain as well. Okay. Because they I'll, are, uh, I mean, I'll say I'm going to check it out, but the whole reason this podcast exists is I understand to take somebody's <laughs> word to listen to something. Yeah. You guys so, have been doing this for well over a year now. Yeah. Right. The podcast. This, will be yeah, for, 70, this might be 90 ish. Yeah. 
So I'm your first guest, right? No, Lucas' son okay. was our first desk. Yeah. Okay, I'm your second guest. So, yes. yep. Uh, in 90 episodes, I'll come back and we'll and listen to Bob Villain. Uh, Bob Villain. 100. Love it. I'm not gonna lie though the the pun name makes me more interested. <laughs> I don't know why, <laughs> but it does. You know what's funny too is both guys in the band go by the name Bob. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> So they, you know, they go back and forth like, you know, they'll, they have great rapport with each other and they just call each other Bob and Bobby and uh, yeah, they're great. I'll check it out or we will check it out on an episode here in about a year and a half. Yep. Sounds good. So all that's left, Scott, uh, what are we listening to next week? You're giving me a record, right? Well, we're going to do a draft next week. Next week, we're actually going to be doing the draft of Pink's discography. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. We are. We're coming off of Behemoth. We gotta, we gotta switch it up. So along yeah, with we gotta get some Chumbawamba, we're jumping into the pop, the pop pool, and going with Pink. Mike, thank you for being here. Thank you very much. Yes, thank you so much. Genuinely, thank you for this record. I'm a very big fan of Linda Perry, who wrote Pink's a lot of it. best songs. Yep. From, yes. From yep. Uh, what four non blondes? Yep. Yep. Mike, thank you for being here. Scott, thank you for the podcast. Thank you for the friendship. Thank you both so much. Listeners, thank you for listening. Follow us on Twitter at AOLPod. Follow us on Instagram, same handle, at AOLPod. Send us an email at areyoulistening.pod at gmail.com. Join the Facebook group, link will be in the show notes. Listen to all the Joy Road Media Network podcasts. Are you listening? Are you listening? Of course I'm listening. I'm thick. I'm thick. I'm thick. This band is an encyclopedia of madness. No way you have a yawny story. I must be like a female vocal fan now. When I was in high school, I wasn't uh, I wasn't much of a puss hound. Just because I like Brand more than I like you doesn't mean I hate you. You're going to see me in a Chumbawamba shirt next week. It's not my favorite hole. And Anthony Kiedis is just like, yeah! Bing-a-bong, bong-a-bong-a-bird bank. I'm going to have sex with a little kid.